our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. When a child goes missing, parents will stop at nothing to find them. On September 21st, 1966, a man was born who would take the lives of four people. He was eventually brought to justice after three fathers fought tirelessly to find out what happened to their daughters. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. In February of 2003, a young woman with seedy acquaintances, 25-year-old Jennifer Markham of Denver, Colorado, went missing, and her father Bob would stop at nothing to find his little girl. He began posting billboards with her photo on it, asking if anyone had any information about her whereabouts appeared on a few television programs, and on the news. This attracted the attention of a man named Rob McLeod, whose 19-year-old daughter, Casey, went missing around the same time as Jennifer. He contacted Bob in 2005 and told him that, through his research, he found that both Jennifer and Casey had a person in common, Scott Kimball. You see, Rob had gotten a call from Casey's best friend in 2005 that said Scott Kimball, who had been married to Casey's mother, Lori, had gone missing around the same time that Casey did. Scott Kimball was also the last person to see Jennifer Markham when she went missing. Scott and Lori were married in Las Vegas shortly after he got out of prison. The friend found it strange that a known felon had gone missing around the same time that her friend did. Both fathers agreed. Rob McLeod and Bob Markham joined their efforts and began comparing all of the information about not just their daughters, but the man they were last seen with, even driving to a few of the locations connected with the disappearances. They even found a third person connected to Scott that had gone missing, his 60-year-old uncle, Terry Kimball. Lori McLeod even stated that at some point in their marriage, Terry had come to live with them, but had inexplicably left on September 1st, 2004, and was never seen again. According to Scott, he had won the lottery and moved to Mexico. While they were making important connections, they were otherwise coming up empty-handed in regards to their daughters. They both believed that the girls were being brushed under the rug because of their lifestyles. Jennifer was a stripper who had ties to a known drug dealer, while Casey had a history of drug use and left home a number of times. Nevertheless, they continued their investigation and focused on the man named Scott Kimball. And once they felt they had a clear picture of what was going on, they took their information to the FBI. 
After a bit of prodding, they finally convinced the officers to take their disappearances seriously and, of course, look into Scott Kimball. Scott was born on September 21st, 1966 in Boulder, Colorado. At some point in his adult life, he was convicted of check fraud after stealing over $50,000 from an optometrist who shared an office with his mother's insurance company. He was, of course, sent to prison in Montana, where he bragged constantly about being a hitman, put on a tough air, and tried to work his way up the prison food chain. This is how he became friends with a man named Steve Ennis. And Steve had no problems telling his new buddy about what plans he had. He began talking to Scott about a murder-for-hire plot that involved his girlfriend at the time. At this time, the FBI was investigating a sizable ecstasy operation in the Denver area, and Jennifer Markham was a potential witness for the case, which is why Steve wanted her dead. If Steve succeeded in killing her, their case would take a serious hit. So, Scott leveraged this information and told the FBI that he could join up with the ringleaders and become an informant. They were convinced by December of 2002, and Scott was released. Within a few months, Jennifer was missing. With renewed FBI interest, the agents found that, on June 29, 2003, Scott told one of his handlers that Jennifer had been murdered by one of Steve's associates, and that he had been asked by Steve to dig up her body, which was located in Colorado, to remove her IUD and breast implants to ensure that she remained unidentified. They now believed that this was his way to ensure her body, if found, was connected to Steve rather than himself. But as they looked into her cell phone use, they found that it was last used on February 17th, 2003, and that her car was found parked at the Denver International Airport the following day. Interviewed again, Bob Markham told agents that he and his wife met Scott Campbell in August of 2005. But by then, Bob had his strong suspicions against the man. So when Scott asked them if they wanted to go with him to see where Steve Ennis's associate buried Jennifer, they declined. Bob said he knew he was a killer and he didn't want to be alone with him. In January of 2007, Scott's former cellmate was interviewed and relayed a story in which Scott asked him if fake breasts could be traced. And when asked, Scott said the body was in the mountains. Despite this, Jennifer Markham's body has never been found. In October of 2007, another family was interviewed in connection with Scott Kimball. 24-year-old Leanne Emery had been missing since January of 2003. And when asked, Leanne's father, who had been doing his own investigation as well, gave what he knew. Leanne disappeared after checking out of a hotel in Colorado on her way to a spelunking expedition in Mexico. Her parents called after not hearing from her for two weeks and finding her car abandoned near Book Cliffs. But police believed the girl was a runaway and treated her case as such. With no body, there would be no investigation. So her parents did the work and created a 10-day trail that went through Colorado, Wyoming, Oregon, Washington, and Nevada. She called her parents about 11 days after leaving home, stating that she was in Mexico, but her father knew this was a lie. The next he heard from his daughter was when her credit cards were used in California, but a look at the signature told him that it was someone else using her card. He then looked into her email, which showed a correspondence that stated, I have to hide. My orders come from Hannibal, and he's a dangerous person. Hannibal was a prison nickname that Scott Kimball gave himself, 
And as they soon found out, Leanne's boyfriend at the time was an inmate in the same cell block as Scott. That the two had planned a prison escape, but the boyfriend was in solitary during the scheduled time. When questioned, the boyfriend told investigators that he had a strong suspicion that Scott was responsible for her disappearance. By this time, Scott Kimball had been arrested for violating the conditions of his release and, of course, had his home searched. When they found his computer filled with photos of young women, the boyfriend identified Leanne as one of them. Scott Kimball, thanks in large part to the work of three desperate fathers, was charged with four murders, and in a complicated plea bargain worked out in early 2009, he pleaded guilty to two counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of Terry Kimball, Jennifer Markham, Leanne Emery, and Casey McLeod in exchange for the location of their bodies. All were found except for Jennifer. Scott Kimball was sentenced to 70 years in prison and, since his arrest, has boasted about being responsible for a number of other murders. Given his past crimes, this isn't difficult to believe, though there has been no concrete evidence brought up against him. He was 43 years old when he entered prison, and if things go in his favor, he will be eligible for parole in 2056 when he is 89 years old. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 22nd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.